welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are starting a short little three-part series that uh, uh, is going to cover uh, some symbols of Christianity. And uh, it started with, well, it actually started with the orons, which is the symbol of the hands being lifted up. That I saw this, that that was a symbol that was used in the early church. And I thought we lift our hands. And a lot of people wonder why we lift our hands in church uh, during the praise and worship. Some people like it. Other people are freaked out by it. Don't raise your hand if you're freaked out. We know your eyes are this big, you know. Uh, I remember the first time I got the courage to do that. It was like, ah, like they were pressing down. And then finally I got one up. How many are with me? You know what I'm talking about? So I wanted to teach on that, like why we raise hands. And then I, I saw that symbol. And in the early church, there were all the pictures of people with their hands raised. And then I, I saw the other symbols that I, you know, that were there, the anchors that were drawn in the catacombs. And then uh, the fish symbol, uh, which was used in the early church, and then also the fish symbol that was put on car bumpers. We'll get there in a minute. Um, but the fish symbol, so we're going to start with that, and the big payoff is in two weeks. So I just teased you there with that. In two weeks, we're going to have the hands raised, and uh, next week we're looking at anchor, and uh, two weeks will be hands raised. But uh, starting with the fish symbol, starting with this and seeing what the Word of God has to say to us, but the ichthus symbol, um, the symbol that was a Greek acrostic is really what it was. And uh, the fish uh, symbol that was used, it stands for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And um, you may have seen it. I just I have, I, I asked the team to get me a car bumper. And I apologize to whoever lost this today. Um, just go in the parking lot, pull it off. They won't mind. They have a fish symbol, but there was a, anyways, uh, but the fish symbol, uh, it, it, was, it was popular in the 70s. If you, uh, oh, sorry, if you uh, remember the fish symbol on the bumpers or you were part of that craze, you're probably older than you realize, and, uh, but it was in the 70s. And, and maybe you have one on your car right now, and that's okay. I'm not trying to revive this symbol, but I'm just trying to explain it, why it's out there and what you see. Um, it, was, it was put on bumpers because uh, prior to social media, we had mobile media, and people would put it on their bumper, and you'd be driving around and letting people know, hey, I've checked the box. I identify with faith. And so it was a way to say, hey, this is my faith declaration. This, I'm a Christian, and this, even if they didn't know what it meant, they put the thing on there. And it's interesting, um, after the fish symbol, the ichthys, was put on bumpers, then people started coming up with the Darwin one, okay? And they started doing the Darwin one, and which the more I think about it, it's is pretty offensive when you think about it. Like somebody says, hey, I believe in Jesus, and then somebody wants to make fun of them, and they do this. And you think about other religions, you know, that you're, you're purposely being antagonistic towards somebody, but we're not going to sue or anything. But I mean, how many know that it, it was, it's, you really have to 
have an issue with God to want to put up a symbol that's anti-God symbol, okay? And then somebody came up with the other one that was like the, the fish symbol, like eating the Darwin symbol, you know? And, but as for me and my bumper, we will serve the Lord, so Darwin's out, so, all right. But you see that, so they had that, they put that out there and they say like, hey, I identify with this and, uh, you know, I'm going to do this. But before it was put on bumpers, it was actually drawn in the dirt. Christians would do this. They would want to identify and they'd want to say, hey, I believe in Jesus. Hey, I'm, 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 I want to stand up for my faith, but I want to know where you're at. And so, um, again, so I've got more illustrations here. Um, I brought back the TV and, you know, we got the fish here. And what early Christians would do is they would actually draw like half of the fish in the ground with their foot. So they would draw half and then they'd step away from it. And, it. and as they'd step away from it, if the other person went and took their foot and drew the other part of it and completed it, then they'd know like, okay, you're one of us. All right. And so it was like, how many love that? I, I, I love that. And as I was preparing this and praying about this, I just got this feeling that the early church was way more exciting than we have it right now. Way more. I mean, they've got, you know, secret fish symbols and riots and beatings and, you know, all... some of you are like, I don't want that. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I long for a faith that has to stand up. I long for like, hey, I'm, I'm in. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, I'm in. And, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I got an invitation the other day to go to the edge of a communist country and partially inflate helium balloons uh, with the gospel of Mark printed on them. And then when the wind is right, launch them into this communist country so that people can have the gospel of Mark and the plan of salvation. I was like, that is awesome. And, and, and you're in the DMZ zone, which is the area where the two sides agree not to kill each other. I mean, this is, uh, how many are with me? Global team DMZ. All right, Apple Valley's out. But anyways, <laughs> man, uh, it's, it was. There's something about that. There's something about this uh, excitement that was in that early church, but You've got this. They're, they're drawing the symbol in the ground and they're doing this stuff and, and you might not know the history of it. You might have seen it go by and you're like, I'm not sure. And now you kind of know a little bit about it. But I'm not just giving you a history lesson. I want to go to another level. I want to say, what are we saying when we put a fish on our car? What are we saying when we wear a cross? What are we saying when we have a bracelet that says WWJD? What are you saying when you get a tattoo? IBTJ. I preach that message around the world. But what are you saying? What are you saying? You know what you're saying? You're saying, I identify. I identify with Jesus. I identify with his church. I identify with the mission that we're on. I identify. And, and using the fish as, as something to really just jump off of and say, let's take a look at this. Um, I believe that there's something more to it. That, that fish was a, a great symbol for them to use because other cultures used it. Other cultures used the fish, and it was, it was an easy way for them to kind of use a symbol and not get in trouble. But for us, that symbol is saying, I identify with Jesus. He's my Lord. He's, he's God's son. He's the Savior of the world, and I'm on mission for him. And guess what? I, I believe it's saying to us today, I want to be a fisher of men. I want to be out there. I want to stand up for Christ. I want to be bold for Jesus. And I want to become a fisher of men. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to me to Matthew chapter 4 because I want to read that. 
Whether you do a tattoo or a bracelet or a cross or a, or a fish symbol on your, on your car, I'm, I'm saying I believe that God has called us to be fishers of men. We identify with our Savior. We identify with the mission that he put us on. We, we identify and say we want to be exciting and on this journey with you and making a difference. And so Jesus, it says, now Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. He's like, hey, follow me, follow me. I know you've been doing fishing, and I know you've been enjoying this business, but I want you to follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I love that Jesus uses the language that they can understand. And I think that Jesus speaks to us wherever we are. I love it that he gives illustrations to different people. I love that he speaks to, in a way that you can fully understand it. I absolutely love that. But in this situation, I love that he called fishermen. You know, I'm glad that he didn't say to like a bunch of doctors, like, follow me and I'll help you, you know, really bring healing to the soul, you know, because that, that would have been good. They probably would have understood it. But how many know that doctors wait for people to come to them and fishermen go out and fish okay so there's a i'm glad he didn't use doctors like i'm glad that he didn't say you know follow me and i'll make you carpenters and you'll really build things that matter i mean because again carpenters have set plans and and they might have weather delays or some delays and all that but there's really a project and a blueprint and it it needs to look like the blueprint. And how many know that when Jesus saves people, it's different every time? You know, it's like they call on his name, but it can happen here, there, there, a long time, short time. I just love that he uses fishermen because uh, with fishermen, it really applies. And again, in full disclaimer, I'm not an expert fisherman, okay? I'm not an expert fisherman. I'm not, but I'm using this illustration. When I went into ministry, my dad said to me, he said, son, I've, I've been on a lot of church boards and I've noticed this, that a lot of pastors... Um, get wore out. They get a lot of stress. And he goes, you have to have a hobby. And I was like, I don't know if I want a hobby. We got to build a kingdom. He's like, you need a hobby. You know, you're going to need an outlet somewhere. And he goes, so here's the deal. I'm either going to buy you your first set of golf clubs, or I'm going to buy you some fishing gear. You got to either fish or golf if you're a pastor. All right. He said, trust me, I've been on the boards. You got to do one or the other. What do you want to do? And I said, well, um, it seems like fishermen need a lot more faith and I'm already in the faith arena. So I'm going to go with golf. And he said, good choice, because golf, you have to just get rid of all common sense and do the opposite. All right, so yeah, anyways. So if you have additions to this, if you have additions and you say, well, I know this about fishing, all right, do it in your life group, talk about it in the lobby, add to the sermon, all right? But fishermen have to have faith. There's no guarantee of catching fish. They have to be patient, which again, of all the fishing, like I love the ones where you keep moving, like we were bass fishing. I like that we move, 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 move. New spot, new spot, new spot, new spot. They have to persevere. Fishermen, like, did you catch any last time? No, but we're going out today. We're going out today. We're going to persevere. Today's our day. Today's our day, you know? And they just persevere. They, they know the moment though. I mean, they can sense the moment. All of a sudden it's like, now's the time. And they know the spot, and they know the moment, and there's something about a good fisherman that knows it. They know the right bait, and they know that different fish, different bait, different times of the year, different bait. They know that they have to silence themselves. You know, and so I'm looking at this, and if I can, just again, in the way that I like to preach, and the gift that God has given me to say, you know, he just spoke to me, he said, you have to silence yourself. And he said, 
loud splashes scare the fish away. And he said, our sinful lives are creating loud splashes that scare the fish away. Think about that. Some of us are wondering, what difference will holiness make? Holiness is quite, I mean, just imagine yourself trying to catch fish and holiness is being silent, and so you're not splashing. When you're, when you're dabbling in these sins and these things, and yes, you're saved, but you're falling and doing these other things, you're splashing around, and God's trying to save them, and you're scaring them away with the splashes, and that's where holiness silences your life and, and, and lets it happen. But this is not a fishing lesson. This is a, a biblical lesson. So um, we look at this passage and it, Jesus asked the disciples to leave everything. He's like, leave everything and follow me. And I just want to point this out. Um, he was saying, I want you to reorientate your life around me. Everything, I'm first. You've got this business over here, but I want you to follow me. I'm first. And I will tell you this, for some people, God will call you to, to sell everything when you follow him. Most people, most, he says, stay where you are. Make a difference there. I'll work in you and I will make you become a fisherman and I've got you in the place where I want you. But he does move us around, and we've got to be willing to go wherever he wants us to go. I also think it's amazing when people say, like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go on a global team, because what if he calls me? You know, what if he calls me? Your Lord and Savior wants you to go somewhere. The answer is yes. I'm just serious. Whatever the adventure is, the answer is yes. Wherever he's calling you to go, the answer is yes. But he's like, I want you to leave what you have and follow me. And, and for those of you that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're right. You have to count the cost. When you, when you follow Jesus, you, everything gets reorientated around Jesus. It's, it's, it's around him now, and it's not about you. And I'll never forget, I was sitting on an airplane next to this guy, and he was a hedge fund manager. And um, how he found out I was a Christian, actually, he said something like he asked if I was doing something dirty. And I said, oh my goodness, no, I'm a pastor. And, and, and he's like, oh, really? He's like, I want to talk to you. I've been thinking about becoming a Christian. And, and then the whole flight, we started talking and talking and talking. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a lot of money and I have this. And my wife loves the money and my kids love the money and I love the money. And if I give my life to Jesus, what if he wants me to get rid of all the money? And he's like, I don't think I can do it. I am so close. But it's the money thing is standing in the way. I went after him, went after him. I don't have any update to give you. I wish I could say that he came in. That one will have to be settled maybe some other day. But he was counting the cost. He knew that if Jesus was really calling him to follow him, that it was going to have to count the cost. And whatever Jesus was going to ask, I will tell you this, it'd be worth it, but he's going to ask you to do something. Okay, but he was saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to leave what you have and, and come with me. And now uh, fish for men, fish for men and women, make a difference. There's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing that I'm going to put you on this journey. And um, I've got really good news for you when you become a fisher of men. Jesus makes you a fisher of men. He says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. So the first part of, of sharing your faith, of really getting out there and identifying and making a difference and fishing and helping other people find Jesus as their Lord and Savior is to follow Jesus. He's like, just follow me. And, and the way that the Bible writes this in the language that it was originally written in, it's saying, follow me and I will make you become it's a process. I'll make you become. I'm going to move you along in this process, and you're going to become a fisher of men. 
And you don't have to do it on your own. You, he's saying, I will, I will start to make you into the fisher that you want to be. And I, and I will tell you this, I can judge people's maturity by how much they're fishing. I'm just telling you. I can judge their maturity. People say, like, I want to be mature. I want to be fed. I want to be this. And I'm like, well, you're not fishing, you know? You seem to me like you're buying all the tackle, but you're never fishing, all right? That just felt like a moment of conviction there. All right. But you don't do it on your own. And I don't have time to go into this in detail, but I'll tell you this. Um, Jesus said in John 15, he says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And, he, and he's saying, you just need to abide in me. When you follow Jesus, he will make you into a fisher of men. And, I, and I, again, I'll probably do this as another sermon, but you are not a channel of Jesus. You are a branch. He's the vine, you're the branch. And when you stay plugged into Jesus, the nutrients and the life in Christ that changes you, it starts to change you. It becomes an outreach to the other person. You're the branch. And you're actively involved in following Jesus and he's changing you into his image and he's helping you to reach other people. So the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna abide in him. You're gonna spend time in prayer, time in the word, time in church, time with other believers, time just talking to Jesus. You're gonna spend time and as you abide in Christ, as you follow him, he will make you a fisher of men. Now, you say, I got that. I like that. I like that part of church. It's when we leave here and then we got to open up our mouth and actually be fishers. I don't want to be weird. Matter of fact, when I uh, searched this week for the sermon, like sharing your faith, there were article after an article, how not to be weird when sharing your faith, how not to be a mutant, how not to be a loser. How, I mean, it was like article and article after that. Okay. I'm just telling you, and some of you are nodding your heads here. You're like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm not going to lie. There's a degree of awkwardness. We're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about a God that created this earth that loves us so much that he sent his son to this earth to live a perfect sinless life and die on the cross. So our sins could be placed on. It's a supernatural thing. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. There's a bit of like, wow, that is amazing. Yes, it's amazing and it's supernatural. And it's a, a, a bit of awkward. Like, this is not normal conversation for a lot of people. Okay, but I will tell you this. A, a couple things that were driven home to me. Um, one time I was flying on a flight and I'm sitting next to this guy. Mealtime comes. I pray for my meal. He prays for his meal. And when he prays for his meal, he takes a little card out of his pocket, looks at it, and then kisses it and puts it back. And I said, what was that? He said, oh, that's my God. It's a picture of my God. I thought it was a picture of his family. Like, I thought maybe I'd add something. Like, I'd pray for my meal and kiss a picture of my family, you know. And he's like, no, no, that's my God. And he was a Hindu. It was a picture of an elephant. I won't say the, uh, God's name because I don't even want to give that false God any naming. So, anyways, uh, He's sitting there kissing it and doing his little prayer that is God in the pocket. And at that moment, I'm like, Jesus is all right compared to the elephant in the pocket guy. <laughs> like, I could talk about Jesus, the son of God who lived on this. Okay, I'm just saying, okay, yes, there's a little bit, but let's put it in perspective, all right? And then I will tell you this, love is awkward for, you know, when you're in love with someone, how many know you don't care if people know? Like Buddy the Elf said, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it, all right? I mean, there's a little bit, I don't care. I'm in love with Jesus, and I don't care. You need to have that attitude as we're deeper in love, as we're following Jesus, we get to where we just want to talk about him. So how can we share our faith? This is just some great resources out there. This is just a simple list, um, and I will fly through these. Um, first thing, shine bright. Shine bright. 
If you know Jesus, shine bright. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want you to shine bright. Good deeds, good life. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament gives all sorts of things and ways that we should live our life. He's saying, here's how you're going to live in a dark world so you'll stand out like lights in this dark world. And stop getting so upset about the darkness of this world. Shine bright. Shine bright. The world is dark, but we can really stand out if we live a life that is, that is a good life that's shining bright. Now they might ask you like, man, you're so different or this or that. And you need to be ready, but hold that thought. Another thing is pray for opportunities. If you're going to share your faith, pray for opportunities. I don't think many of us go through the day and think, Lord, how, where can I share my faith? I don't think we're praying in the morning. Again, that goes from follow me, abide with me, spend time with me, pray for opportunities. Who does God want you to talk to? The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6.19 is like, pray for me. That whenever I speak, words will be given me so that I'll fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. He's asking another church, like, pray for me. When was the last time you prayed in your life group and you said, guys, pray for me. I'm getting ready to go bold with my faith at work. Pray for me. Come on, we got too many prayer requests. Sick, 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 sick. Trip, 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 trip. All right, let's go. Come on, who are you praying for? Let's pray. Let's pray for people. And again, I want to pray for all the sick. We believe God heals. But I think that God has more prayer requests for us in mind. Live life with people. Third thing, live life with people. And, and here's just something I want to drive home to you. It takes time. We read chapters, and chapters in the Bible sometimes represented years. Okay? Acts chapter 9, Paul's in Damascus. It's about three years you can read that chapter in a couple minutes. And you're like, okay, then he went there and everybody got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the next one, and then boom, there. And it, we're talking years, okay? So live life with people and realize that it takes time. That goes back to your shining bright. As you're shining bright and as you're praying for opportunities, you're going to live life with people and it's going to take times, time with them. And I will tell you this, I, I, I want you, we, we need to hang out with people, but we need to not get caught up with them. Okay? You need to hang out with them and not get caught up. I have people all the time like, well, yeah, Jesus hung out with sinners and they were like, you ate with them and and you drank with them. I was like, but he never got drunk with them. Okay? He never got drunk. All right? You can hang out, but don't get caught up. Let's live life. All right, number four. When asked, you need to be ready to share. 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. He's saying, be ready. There's going to be moments. And when they ask you or when there's an opportunity there, be ready to share. And I, I, I think it's just easy to say, you know, hey, before uh, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I did this or I was this. But then I met Jesus and I gave my life to Jesus. I decided to give my life to him. I made a decision for him to be my Lord and personal Savior. And since then, my life is like this. And, and just a word of warning um, for those of you that have horribly evil pasts, okay? Please don't be like, man, back in the day. <laughs> but then I met Jesus. And um, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Good night. Please. And you don't have to give us everything you ever did. 
I was a drug addict. You can just leave it there, all right? You know, and um, follow the prompt of the Holy Spirit. I, before I met Jesus, then I met Jesus, since then now. And I will say this. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this in the right way. Identify with them. You know what? They feel distant. They feel away from God, like God could never love a person like them. Many people feel that way. And I, I love it. A friend of mine, he, he says this. He says, whenever he's sharing his faith, he always says, man, I, I, was, I was a horrible sinner and I, I needed a lot of forgiveness and, and Jesus forgave me. And the thing I look at is like, if he could forgive me, he could forgive anybody. He just invites anybody on this journey. He's ready to forgive. Any, if he could forgive me, he could forgive you. He could forgive anybody. And he, he doesn't make it seem like they really need it. And he was perfect. He's like, man, I was bad. And God's been so good. And man, I can't help but invite you to get on this journey with him. Here's another thing. Identify yourself. What do I mean by that? Identify yourself. Use social media. And I know that the world is lost. It's not civil anymore. It's like fighting over everything. And it, maybe we will have moments where it's going to be riots and, you know, going to jail and, you know, secret handshakes. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is, is a trend that maybe we're, we've lost the civility. But at least right now on social media, you can identify yourself. How can you do that? You can put a verse out there, a Bible verse. You can put a prayer out there. You can put a link to the church. Let me give you another one. You can identify yourself. Global team. A guy came up to me. He, works, he worked at Target. He doesn't work there anymore. He worked at Target Corporation. He's trying to figure out how does he share his faith in a, in a company that tends to have a, a bit of hostility towards people of faith. And he's like, how do I share this? You know, they follow the rules. Don't share your faith. Can't be, a, don't want to break the law. Don't want to lose my job. You know what he did? He went on a global team. He went on a global team and shared with his team, hey, I'm going to be off in these days. I'm going on a global team and I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, Thailand and we're going to work with refugees from Myanmar, Burma, you know. And he's like, we're going to be bringing them food and doing this stuff and helping them and ministering to them. And he's like, so I'm going to be gone. And so this is how we're going to handle the thing because I'm going on the global team with my church. And he said, after the meeting, like three or four Christians came up to him like, like, dude, I'm a Christian too, you know. It was like the fish symbol, you know. Global team t-shirt is your fish symbol. I'm just saying. So identify yourself. And again, remember, when you identify yourself on social media, your lifestyle inconsistencies scare the fish away. If you can identify, pursue holiness, abide in Christ, let him make you into the fishermen. But I'm just saying, as you identify, look at your social media. If it's praising Jesus on one moment and then it's... it's terribly evil the next moment. The, the Bible tells us, how can that be? Fresh water and bad water out of the same thing? Come on. Your, your inconsistencies are scaring the fish away. Another thing, connect. Acts 17. In Acts 17, Paul is in Athens and he's saying, hey, I see you've got this place of worship here to the unknown God. Can I talk to you guys about that? And he connects with them and he goes right into the moment. And there are moments where you can connect with people on a faith level. And again, please, we had Michael Jr. here years ago, comedian, and he said, man, don't, don't connect at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? Where somebody's like, you know, hey, you think the Vikings are going to be this good, good this year? And you're like, well, they might be good, but are you good enough to go to heaven? You know what I mean? That's, don't do that. You know, don't fumble the ball and, and miss out on heaven. Don't do that, all right? You know, but connect. There are so many real connections that are out there. There are so many real connections. 
I was just thinking about this. Even I've been really intentional with servers at restaurants now. And I just say, hey, we're about to pray over our meal. Is there anything we could pray for? You would not believe the prayer requests that I've been getting. You know, the other day, the server just started to cry. He said, pray for my brother. He said he tried to take his life. And we're interceding, praying for I mean, I'm just saying there's moments to connect. They're out there. Um, invite people. Invite people. Um, I'll fly through these last couple. There's three things here. Invite. Here's what I want to say about our church. Our church is an attractional church. Attractional. Okay? Some people have said we're seeker sensitive. Seeker sensitive was to make it like really light and not be too intimate with Jesus because people might not know. That's not us. We're attractional. We're saying this is a safe place for you to invite people to, to see what God's like. And we know that they're there. And this is not a for members only. And I'm going to try to preach in a way that people that don't know Jesus will be able to understand what we're talking about. We're going to try to do worship and explain things in a way that people that don't know Jesus will know. And we're going to lift up Jesus and make Jesus lifted up. We're going to, it's attractional. We're saying God is so good. We want to worship the one that saves us. We, we, he's beautiful. And we invite you into this journey. Take a look at Jesus. That's our style of church. So you can invite him to church, your life group, an event. Get an assist. What do I mean by this one? Number eight. There's just two more. Get an assist. First Corinthians 12. It says there's many parts working together. Many parts working together. And I just had this, uh, you know, all of us are using our gifts to help build his church. And I just had this thought in my mind. Why don't you become the assist leader to people finding faith in Jesus Christ? What do I mean by that? You could be the happiest parking lot attendant on the planet, waving people in, like, come on in, here's your spot. And then they come in in a good mood, and you are the assist leader in people giving their life to Jesus Christ at the end of the service. Why don't we have the happiest cafe workers and ushers and greeters and people watching children and doing all the things that we have, tech team and all that, and you could be the assist leader in all that's going on. Last one, trust God, trust God. John 12, 32, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. This is Jesus speaking. Here's the thing. I can't make fish bite, but I can fish. I can't make fish bite, but I can fish. I can't make someone give their life to Jesus Christ, but I can make it so attractive that they are drawn to Jesus Christ. The stakes are high. It's eternity. Stakes are high. And I believe this. You might be one last cast from just capturing somebody into the kingdom of God. One last cast. You never know. You never know. How many know a fisherman never wants to quit? It's like, I am so in trouble. But I got one, maybe there's one more fish. Let's make him Lord and Savior. Let's become fishers of men. Fishers of men. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Fishers of men. That's what we want to be. So, Lord, I just pray right now that we'd be fishers of men. Fishers of men, sharing our faith, being bold with it, and saying, Jesus, use us. Use us to help people find you as Lord and Savior. Whenever we see a fish symbol on a, a car, I pray we'd realize, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, and I am committed to your mission, Lord Jesus. I will cast the line. I will do it one more time over and over and over again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.